The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. He then stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Immediately she got up and began to serve them. As the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. Demons also came out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Messiah. At daybreak he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowds were looking for him, and when they reached him they wanted to prevent him from leaving them. But Jesus said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So Jesus continued proclaiming the message in the synagogues of Judea. The Gospel of the Lord. In today's Gospel, Jesus continues to put into practice the Jubilee sermon that he first preached in the synagogue at Nazareth. The Jubilee, as you recall from Leviticus chapter 25, was this whole system where after 50 years, what's called the Sabbath of Sabbaths, all debts were released and those who had sold themselves into slavery were set free, ancestral lands were returned so that there would be an equality among all the classes in Israel. Well, when it came to Isaiah, he looked at this passage from Leviticus and projected it into the future and said that it would be fulfilled fully when the Messiah came. And so when Jesus opened up the text of Isaiah in his inaugural sermon, he said, I have come to release those in bondage, to give sight to the blind, to preach the good news of the coming of the kingdom. And that's the Jubilee. Well, that was Monday's Gospel from Luke chapter 4. In yesterday's Gospel, Jesus begins to actually enact the Jubilee by taking a man that was bound, demon-possessed, and freeing him from his slavery. In today's Gospel, he now performs a second miracle, this time on Simon Peter's mother-in-law, who was suffering from a fever. In both miracles, Jesus uses the same word, rebuke, indicating the consequences of the fall in humanity, that in a sense Satan had a hand in all illness because it came from the fall which took away the preternatural gifts, one of which was freedom from suffering and death. Now in Today's miracle, there are really two effects. One, she gets up. Now that verb is the same as is used to describe Jesus' resurrection. And then the second is that she served them. And that would be the proper response of someone who has been freed, who now is a disciple, a follower, and she promptly gets up and serves Jesus and the disciples. 
For us today, we're called to continue to put into effect the Jubilee because we've been set free in baptism. So we can ask ourselves each day, what am I doing today to help people become free in any way that they are bound? And we include ourselves as well to begin the day with a good act of contrition and asking God to completely free us from sin and then do the work of ministry to serve become Jesus' disciple. The second point in today's gospel is that Jesus then goes off to a solitary place. And in the parallel passage in Mark's gospel, it specifies that Jesus prays while alone. And this is what undergirds his entire ministry. He is the sent one, as it says in today's gospel. I was sent for this purpose. Jesus is the sent one by the Father. So he goes before the Father in prayer, and he does nothing except what the Father tells him to do. He speaks nothing except what the Father tells him to speak. And that's a great example for us to come before the Lord every morning and spend time and hear what we're called to do. Jesus prayed before undertaking any important work in his ministry. And he prayed for an extended period of time. We see this again and again. For example, before choosing his apostles, he spends a night in prayer. Before undergoing his passion, he prays. In fact, he tells Peter, James, and John to stay awake and to pray with him before he undergoes this great ordeal. So it must be for us that we are called to be disciples. And there's a great battle raging, not only in the world, but in our hearts because we have a choice to make every day. Will I serve the Lord and effect the Jubilee or will I turn inward and complain and be bitter and hold grudges and fall into a kind of spiral? The best way for us to pray is to set aside time every day. Now for those who would be, let's say, working in a busy family life, it would be helpful to go to bed early instead of staying up and watching all kinds of things on internet or television so that we can get up early in the morning and then devote that time. For all of you who, most of you retired, well, you don't have that problem, but still need to set aside a deliberate time every day. Otherwise, time slips away. And the saints provide us with wonderful examples. One comes to mind is St. Thomas More, who was a busy family man. And he was a lawyer, he was in the king's service, King Henry VIII, he was Chancellor of England. And yet if you read his works, and he wrote a lot, he would get up early, early in the morning and spend time in prayer and study. And if you read his works, you can tell. And he was a tremendous help to those around, he still is today, and his great example, he resisted the king and he went to his death as a martyr, one of the only bishops besides Bishop Fisher who stood fast against the whole darkness that surrounded him and all the other bishops kind of caved in. He wouldn't. In the first reading, we have an example of what prayer does and what the Jubilee does when we enact it. St. Paul is commending, he begins his letter to the church, uh, Colossians, by saying to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith 
in Jesus Christ and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you. Again, he goes back to those three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love as he did with the previous letter to the Thessalonians. You have heard the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you, that's the great jubilee, and you are bearing fruit from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. That's what we're called to do and to receive that same commendation from the saints who are watching over us. But because we spent time in prayer, because we are deliberately enacting the jubilee in our hearts and in our communities, we're setting an example. So let's ask for the uh, saints to continue to pray for us that we would be very intentional in our prayer life and intentional in our discipleship and then join the great jubilee that begins now and continues in eternal life.